Welcome to the Beyond the Game podcast presented by Prep to Prep. I am Danny Cada. Today we present the first of a two-part series on high school coaches and race relations. In this episode, we talk with high school boys basketball coaches Lou Ritchie of Bishop O'Dowd and Tim Kennedy of Archbishop Mitty. In part two, we present a roundtable discussion with football coaches Robert Hubbard, Ed Washington, George Jackson, and Joe Bates, who have formed a Facebook group entitled Black Football Coaches United that has drawn nearly 9,000 members from throughout the nation and beyond. We hope you enjoy this series. Along with prep to prep senior editor Harold Laband, I am Danny Kada, and today we are joined by two of the most successful high school boys basketball coaches in the Bay Area. Lou Ritchie is entering his ninth season at Bishop O'Dowd High School in Oakland. In eight years at the Bishop O'Dowd Helm, he has continued the strong basketball tradition at the school in the Oakland Hills, compiling a record of 191 and 61 overall, including a remarkable 69 and 4 record during league play. His teams have won league championships in all eight of his seasons at O'Dowd. Richie's teams have also won five CIF North Coast Section Championships, two CIF Northern Regional titles, and his 2015 team was the state CIF Open Division champion after a thrilling 65-64 victory over Mater Day of Santa Ana. Last season, Richie's, teams went, Richie's team went 23-7 and and won its last 18 games, including a 73-60 victory over Archbishop Mitty in the CIF Northern Regional Open Division semifinals that advanced O'Dowd to a NorCal Open Division championship game that was canceled by the pandemic. Lou, how are you doing today? Thanks for coming on. I'm good. Tim, that wasn't that wasn't in my bio, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I figured you added that right there. I, that wasn't in my bio, Tim. Well, I wrote, it's, I wrote that. <laughs> yeah, well, that hurts, man. That hurts. It's good to know that Tim and Lou are still on uh, speaking terms, so it's good. That's why we have them on today. So Tim is entering his 13th season as uh, head coach at Archbishop Mitty High School, where he also teaches geometry and honors algebra. Considered one of the top young coaches in Northern California, Kennedy has led Mitty to six WCAL titles, eight CIF Central Coast Section titles, four CIF Northern Regional titles, and two CIF State Division II championships back-to-back in 2011 and 2012. Uh, last season, Kennedy's team went 23-5 and and advanced to those region open, <laughs> regional Open Division semifinals where they played Bishop O'Dowd. Um, Tim, thanks for coming on. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me. So it's it's my understanding that there's been a lot of discussions, you know, during this this uh, down down period um, with the pandemic um, among basketball coaches covering a variety of issues, including race relations. Uh, Lou, can you give us a little bit of background on on some of these discussions you guys have been having as coaches? Yeah, I think um, you know, competing against each other, we've been able to be in forums where we've only been not only competitors but we've become friends, and um, you know, trying to reach out to our friends in the coaching community to see, you know, what is needed, what type of resources can better serve our kids in our community. So I know Tim and I have been on several Zooms, uh, basically just talking about that, about the COVID relief, uh, mental health, uh, as well as race relations. So it's been some very provocative, good talks. And what are some of the things that have come out of those talks, Lou? Um, just, you know, really providing resources. Um, Making people, you know, in order for us to have our kids feel safe, that they can talk, we have to make sure that we're providing safe spaces for our adults uh, and for our parents. And I think those are some of the things that we started to touch on was uh, us being able to have difficult conversations and being vulnerable, but also realizing that, you know, no one is going to get attacked for asking questions because we're all here uh, trying to provide for our student athletes and our students and our community. 
And so, Tim, you, you're, you've been involved with this thing from the beginning, I guess, with Lou. And what, what kinds of things have you gotten out of this uh, forum? Well, I mean, has, you know, tip of the cap to Lou. He put this all together and, and organized bringing a lot of our NorCal coaches together and kind of spearheaded it. And some of the biggest things were one of his main things he's trying to do also is, you know, get our guys that are eligible to vote that are 18 or older. And then also the ones that are able to pre-register. And I know he's, he's got that in the works and we're trying to build that in with, with a lot of our schools. And that's going to be something that we, I mean, I think we're going to touch on in our next meeting, but, um, but we've had a couple of these meetings with the NorCal coaches. And then me and Lou have also talked, you know, off of this as well with some of, um, with another one of my WCL coaches and just trying to, you know, bring to right, bring to light the race, race relations that's going on and trying to, like he said, educate and try to people make people aware. Um, but the way he did it initially was able to bring us all together. And it was, uh, I thought, I thought it was huge from, from my standpoint, uh, just where, where we were in our situation, um, individually and also you know i think collectively as coaches i think it was huge and approximately how many coaches do you have involved in this lou and is it a good cross-section of both public and private school coaches um i think it's a good cross-section it can always improve um you know i think once everything is mapped out that's when we can include 50 to 75 to 100 coaches just a matter of how many people want to be involved sometimes you don't want to involve everyone if you don't have all the answers uh, Frank Knight, you know, the first, the, the night before the first meeting, he said, you know, Lou, what's the agenda? I want to know what we're going to talk about. So there are certain people that want a certain level of organization just because everyone's time is very valuable. Uh, and that's what I've been trying to work out. What is the best venue for us to go through a website to monitor how many kids were able to get to register to vote or pre-register to vote and then have it in a database where we can look at it and compare South Bay, North Bay, WCAL, WCAC and try to figure out a way to be competitive with it uh, and, and try to get the media involved to help bring some awareness to, you know, what we're going to be doing over the next, hopefully the next, you know, two or three months. So, so, t so you guys, it, you know, you, you have some competition amongst the various teams and that to see who gets the most uh, players registered to vote. Is that correct? My understanding that correctly? Well, I, I think that's the, the premise. Uh, if, if people don't want to compete, if we want to compete against other regions, that's also a possibility, but we're not playing games. We're all competitive. And, you know, what's a way that we can bring some fun to it uh, and bring some competitiveness to it as well. What other, what other things are you focusing on besides the voting program? Me? Yeah. Um, with, with, you know, with the race relations thing being prime and center and with, you know, I mean, there's not as much of a lack of black coaches in high school basketball as there is in other areas, but these are all subjects that are on the forefront. And, and also the, 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 the other thing too, and that is that, you know, for example, the LA Unified Unified and Oakland Unified, they're not going to be doing anything in the fall at all. Okay. They can do nothing. So that puts them way behind the curve. And so, I mean, it's, it's like the haves are, 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 are have something and the have-nots have nothing. I mean, that's a tremendous disparity. And how do, you, how do you feel about that? Well, I, I think, you know, with the digital divide, there definitely is disparity. Um, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, you know, voter registration, making sure that everyone fills out the census, 
um, trying to bring light to what institutions on the high school level and the collegiate level are actually being inclusive. Um, you know, is, is there diversity throughout the school in terms of the chancellors, the board of trustees, administration, uh, the coaching staffs, um, or are they just talking that? So I know for me, I've started to do research at the local schools here in AIA, uh, Division Three, Division Two in California to find out, you know, what percentage of the conference has black head coaches um, or coaches of, of, of non-color, um, not non-color, coaches of color. So, like, I think Kevin Pham is at, is at the University of Merce, uh, California, Merced. He is an Asian-American, and he actually has a woman that's on his staff. So do you have white males that are hiring diversity, or do we have people of color that are hiring diversity? And being able to look at it in a non-threatening way, but just to say, hey, look, if this is what your infrastructure is, we're going to let everybody know what your infrastructure is, and then you either change it or you stick to your tune. So I think those are some of the things that I'm trying to bring to light uh, that are going on in, in, in college basketball. As a white as a white coach, uh, Tim, how how does how do you feel about some of these things? Well, I, I think you know one of the best things about coming that came out was that Lou talked about you know as a, as some white males have trouble listening to black males and authorities, mm -hmm. and to my to my situation, I I was lucky growing up where I I grew up in Menlo Park and I I played in East Menlo Park and East Palo Alto. And I had black role models and coaches and mentors that, you know, kind of gave me a different view of it, gave me a different lens, but also to see from the other standpoint of, I had a lot of black friends that I would go hang out with and we would get pulled over and they would say, Hey, we're okay. Cause we're with Tim. And it kind of, it messed me up in the head a little bit. Um, but it would also, you know, you saw, the two different ways that, that people lived. Um, so coming to it now is, is like, I feel like I need to be doing more because there is that, that, that white privilege that you don't, you don't walk in someone else's shoes and you're not aware of it. And you're all, the more that we can make it aware and make it, uh, especially with, with me coaching a lot of black athletes, I have to be aware of it. And also, to make sure that we, you know, we don't have these situations where the systemic racism that stays, you know, and, and Lou talks about it with uh, being able to get, you know, bring in more diversity. And, and like you said, with the college basketball, bringing into identifying where, which colleges are hiring, you know, people of color and, and what their situation is. So uh, for, for a white, for a white coach, yeah, it's uncomfortable to have these conversations because talking about race as, as a white male, you're, it's never been comfortable, I think. And this, I think right now, I think it's, it's making people more aware and it's sticking. Um, so I think there's more that's coming out this time. And uh, Tim, past. Tim, Lou used the word vulnerable and it sounds to me like that's, that's a, a mentality you've brought to the table, especially, you know, maybe when having these discussions with black coaches. So how have you, how have you expressed that vulnerability to kind of learn more about what it's like for some, for some of these um, black athletes and the shoes that they're in? Yeah. And, and that's, that's the one thing that's been great with this, you know, this group of coaches is they're giving their ideas of, well, what can we do more? Well, 
you know, we can educate ourselves more. And they've given us resources and Lou's kind of put together uh, the notes from each, each of our meetings and let us know what, you know, what were the focal points and also resources on books, movies, podcasts, different literature that we can, you know, follow up with. And then also some of the coaches have been given their ideas of what they've been doing with their cultures to help, you know, bring, bring kids together from different backgrounds and help, you know, help them see their, their similarities, their differences and how we can still all work together. Um, so it's been, it's been great for, for me individually. And I think for the other coaches as well. So <clears throat> I know this isn't something that I mentioned to Danny, but it's something that came up yesterday. I had a long discussion with CIF executive director, Ron Nassetti, uh, you know, cause we're getting close to the 20th and you know, I think, I think it's pretty much a given. I mean, he, he couldn't go on the record and no one's going to go on the record ahead of time, but I think it's pretty much a given that we're not going to be doing anything until at least January. And that means that the basketball season could be pushed out even further to, to February and March, maybe even March till March 1st. And with it like a two, two month or two and a half month season. I mean, how is that affecting what you guys are doing? I mean, are you prepared for that? Is that, do you see that as the inevitable or what, what has been your preparation? Why don't you handle that one first, TK? I just, I just met with all the families uh, and players last night on a zoom call just to kind of get ahead of this and let them know where we're at. And I told them, you know, my, my gut feeling is don't, don't plan on the preseason. Don't, I don't think we're going to have a preseason. Uh, and hopefully I'm wrong, but where we're at right now, you know, three weeks ago, I would have said something different. Right. But just with everything, with the surge and everything, I said don't plan on them. Um, and right now we're, we're going back to distance learning um, in the fall. So full distance learning, no hybrid. So, But there, were, there is an opportunity for extracurriculars after school, but we don't know what that's going to entail. Um, so I guess in our section meeting, there's a section meeting on the 21st, the day after, and they're supposed to come out with some of the dates as well for, uh, from, on, from a regional standpoint. <clears throat> I don't know about Lou with NCS is doing the same thing. Um, but for us, from a preparation standpoint, it's, there's not much we can do right now, you know, and I'm trying not to do too many zoom calls with them because, you know, they're, they're zoomed out, you know, and I'm, I'm teaching summer, I'm teaching summer school on zoom. I'm zoomed out, <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, so I'm trying to stay, you know, stay off of that too much, but, uh, I think it's going to be, we're in for a wild ride here and I don't, I don't have all the answers. <laughs> and so Lou, do you have some sort of a workout regimen that you're holding these kids to? So they stay in shape both physically and mentally or what? You know, I, I, that was the idea. And then, you know, I, I just didn't feel it was worth the, the effort and the mental strain. You know, if somebody wants to work out right now, that's great. Uh, really putting more of the onus on the parents. I'm here more as support. If you want something from me, I can give it to you. But I'm, I am I can't follow up. I don't have the bandwidth to go behind a kid and a family to follow up on whether they're doing something or not because there's things that are more important right now. Um, you know, we have seven seniors coming back. How are they feeling right now? Maybe they're feeling depressed. They probably are feeling depressed. You know, I felt a little bit depressed. So trying to be there to support them um, and, and give them the positive nudge versus, you know, trying to, you know, come down their back and say, you know, why aren't you doing this? Because I understand why they might not be doing it. Um, so I, I, I'm like, Tim, I, 
I don't. I'm more pessimistic, probably. I don't see anything good coming anytime soon. Um, with the the winter season coming in, with us not back in school, uh, you know, I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon until there's a vaccine. Um, that's just the way I feel. I don't know how parents are going to feel. Um, I imagine there's going to be some type of pressure, um, but ultimately. You know, I have two parents that are in their 70s that have pre-existing conditions that make them at risk. So I've got to think of them first. And I haven't been in the gym since, uh, you know, that, that Wednesday before the Sheldon game. You know, I haven't been in the Odell gym. So I don't know when it's going to come back. I think there's going to be pressure on school officials to not let athletics come back before academics just because of the old stereotype of academics have to come first. Uh, I think you're going to have different schools that do different things. You know, I think Tim knew that they weren't going to come back to school before I did at Odell. Moreau, they still have people on campus right now working at Moreau. So schools are starting to find out what other schools are doing. So I think that's going to heavily influence. The NBA, college football is definitely going to have a, a heavy weight. But the reality is, you know, we're not like big business NBA, NFL. You know, this is high school basketball. You know, there's not a lot of money behind it. There's not money for testing. And you're just going to see, like you said, you know, the hygienic equity is going to be different between schools, um, just like the education is. So I think it's, it's definitely learning on the fly for all of us right now. What's your take on it, Coach Kennedy? In regards to... Continuing to prepare, not preparing. Yeah. You know? well, I mean, to lose point, there's, there's bigger things we got to be worried about right now. And you know, I think mental mental health, especially for our athletes, is something that's that's huge. And, you know, I, f I felt bad for our seniors this past year that they didn't get to enjoy their last couple months of being a senior on campus. Whereas, I mean, this might even be worse for the seniors coming up this year with, you know, where we're at. So you got to, from that standpoint, uh, <clears throat> also integrating your freshmen that are coming in this year and not knowing, you know, their first experience of high school is, on zoom, you know, which is, it's, 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 you know, it's unre so unrealistic of a situation. <laughs> so uh, from a preparation standpoint, we've had our guys doing zoom workouts with our strength coach, but uh, those are tough, you know, and it's, it's more to get the guys together and get them working, but being able to hold them accountable to situations right now, it's, it's, everyone has a different situation and there's so many different variables coming at you. So, uh, so prepping for a team, we've, we've, we've been able to do workouts on campus in little pods. Um, and we don't have a full pod for our varsity group because not everybody can make it. Um, so, and you're not able to do any type of contact. So even if you're trying to put your, you know, skeleton offense in your, you know, five on O or whatever, you're deep, you know, there's, there's, you're not, you're not doing any type of prep. And that's, I mean, it was funny, like, Lou, you remember being on with with Coach Buckner? He was like, you know, let's forget all this. He's like, we're not, we're, you know, we're, we're tiptoeing around it. We're not, we're not, we're not going to be ready to go right now just because just you can do all the pivots and jump stops and every footwork you want, but it's not getting you ready to compete. So in your group, Lou, you guys are sharing that information too, as to what each team are doing and trying to uh, – prepare, stay in shape, you're sharing information on that also, correct? Yes, we, those questions definitely have been asked, you know, what are people doing? And, you know, you have some people, because on the, on that phone call, I mean, we invited, 
I think Joey Rollins from Sheldon. I mean, so you have from Sacramento all the way down to Modesto Christian. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a lot of different counties uh, and different sections um, that people are allowed to do different things. Um, you know, Alameda County is not Santa Clara County. I think tomorrow there's no more stuff in the gyms. They have to close the bars. Um, and then you have the international students. I mean, think about that. I mean, Modesto Christian has a huge international student population and everything that's come out with online learning and ICE. I mean, imagine you're a kid in another country and you're ready to come back to the United States and you can't, or even more fearing that you're here in the United States and someone's going to ship you home, you know, as a student athlete or a non-student athlete. So there's, there's all these other pieces that, that people have to worry about. You know, I have a kid, Alex Zhao right now, he's at Columbia and he's just trying to make it through one more semester to get his master's and hoping that, you know, no one's going to try to send him home and that Columbia can somehow have an on, on school, you know, campus classroom for him. So there's a lot going on. And, and for me right now, basketball is, is not at the forefront of it. Um, you know, and if, if we're a little bit behind this year, that's okay. I have one last thing. I don't know if Danny has anything else, but I have one last thing. And it also came out of my discussion yesterday with uh, executive director Nassetti. And that is, I have a re- one of the serious, serious concerns I have, and I think this is going to affect uh, the, the, the more economically disadvantaged student athletes more than those whose parents might be able to pay. And that is that, you know, a lot of the scholarships that have been offered to high school athletes, they might be rescinded because there's no money. And what's going to happen to the student athlete that's coming from a disadvantaged home, an economically disadvantaged home, where they have no choice? And Mr. Nassetti and I both agreed that this could be a real boon for the JUCOs because a lot of kids may be forced to go to JUCO if their scholarship is rescinded. And this could be some of the highest level players. Okay. I mean, maybe they might find ways to find some scholarship money, but I have a feeling that a lot of scholarship money is going to dry up. How do you guys feel about that? I, I totally agree. I, th- I think you're already starting to see things trickle down. Just even looking at Stanford, you know, they're cutting what is it, 11 sports. I mean, that's, you know, one of the richest schools in the world and they're, they're bleeding money, you know, and, you know, you're looking at if football doesn't happen in college football with, you know, how much money they bring in, you know, there's almost every school you hear coaches and, and people in the athletic department are taking pay cuts. Well, that's going to trickle down if there's no money coming in pretty soon. And I totally agree that I think some scholarships will be cut or, you're going to see more, you know, more, uh, more sports being cut or, you know, and some people have been, you know, there's, I've read a couple articles where some of these universities, they're going to, they're going to dry up. They're not going to be able to function. They're going to, you know, so I think, I think we're barely starting to see the tip of the iceberg right now. And Lou, do you see this also as, as, as possibly having to direct some kids to, to junior colleges so that they can at least continue their education and continue playing? So that's a conversation that we had um, probably in April. Um, I got all my senior parents together and I explained to them what I thought was going to happen uh, this upcoming fall. And I said, 
I think going out of state is not going to be an option when you're living at home and you're paying forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars out of state tuition, or you're getting a thirty thousand dollars scholarship, but you still have to pay thirty thousand. So I taught all of our parents to enroll in summer school at a junior college so that they were already in the system so that if in the fall they decided not to go back, they wouldn't get caught with this huge bottleneck, which is about to happen in the next 30 days. My best friend since I was seven is the president at Merit, and he just took over the job. And we were on the phone this morning. I was like, DJ, did I see it coming? And he's like, yeah, Lou, you're having all of these kids that think about going out of state. And if they're online, no one's paying for that money. When you can pay $500 a semester to go to a junior college yep. versus, I mean, Bishop O'Dow, I mean, Mitty, we're going to have our issues. How many people are going to pay $20,000 to be online for a whole year when you can go to a public school that is comparable? You know, our, maybe not in Oakland, and that's nothing to knock on OAL schools, but if you live in San Ramon Valley, I mean, why would Taj Phillips commute in theory, 30 minutes to school every day to be online and pay 20000 when he could get just the same education in theory out there. So, you know, colleges have to worry about their livelihoods, but so do high schools. Yeah. And, and junior highs really, really do. Well, yeah, yeah I wanted to I wanted to touch a little bit on the and obviously when you guys are having these discussions with all these coaches, I'm, I'm presuming that basketball is not coming up that often there's so many other things going on and as if as if the pandemic wasn't enough um you know we have this this the black lives the black lives matter movement and the and and the issues with um you know racial equality and i'm just wondering how you know what the discussions look like in those forums as far as how do you have discussions with with young black athletes who are seeing what's happening on the news they're seeing you know, seeing the protests, and maybe they even involved in the protests, maybe leading the protests, and just maybe a little bit of uh, insight on on how that looks from uh, from your perspective. Maybe Lou, take that one to start. Um, I have not talked to any ex-student athletes or ex-students that have participated in marches. I've seen them. One of our kids, Xavier. Uh, he led the, the one at Oakland Tech that had like 50,000 people. Um, but I've not talked to them on the phone. I've talked to our student athletes and our parents about making sure that they did everything to be as safe as possible when going out to the protests. Because outside looking in, I didn't see a lot of masks. I didn't see everyone masked up. And I was nervous about myself being at a protest and seeing a police officer. I didn't want any part of that at all. Um, so I, I have not talked to anybody about, you know, the protests themselves, but I think you definitely have a, a lot of, I think you have a lot of angry people, you know, maybe I'm desensitized, maybe I'm in denial, um, but I've, I've been around a while. Um, but I, I think you do have younger people that are, that are definitely more angry and they can't believe it. And it's okay to be upset and you have, diversity in the people that are upset. So there's a much bigger movement. Um, we'll see how it starts to subside. If it starts to subside, the question always is, is what happens when the next person gets murdered? And that's gonna happen. And, and when we talked on our first meeting, that was the thing is everyone's upset, but there's gonna be another person of color murdered next week. 
And sure enough, you know, that was the case. And, and Tim, how do you approach it from your perspective? Have you had discussions with some of your players or have you reached out to some of the other coaches, you know, as far as asking for guidance? I mean, we, again, we talked about how you've been, you've, you've opened yourself up to this and said, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a white coach. I don't, I'm not able to, you know, understand some of the things that, that, that you guys go through. Yeah, definitely. We had a call with our group initially with all our, uh, with our whole program, just to talk about the situation and listen more, more so. Um, and, you know, some, some kids, it's, it's tough from a, from a 16, 17 year old, you know, kid be able to express their emotions there, you know, with so much going on, you know, on top of all this, the racial inequality or, you know, what was happening during this time. And also the pandemic, you have all this stresses, stressors. So I feel like, like Lou's always keeps coming back to this is, I mean, the biggest thing is we got to be there and just be able to listen to them and try to help them through this. Um, and like you said, basketball is kind of in the back, you know, in the background right now with so many things going on. Um, in regards to reaching out, like I reached out to Lou individually too. What, what could else could I be doing? Um, and he's, he's helped a lot. I've also touched base with uh, Sean McKay and Lou and I have all been on a call together. Sean's the head coach at a, uh, at Sacred Heart Cathedral. We've been friends since we were younger. So, and, you know, talking through experiences and everything. So, and what he's going through as, you know, the only black coach in the WCL right now for on the men's basketball side. So, uh, so trying to, you know, talk through what can we do going forward, you know, you know, bringing our teams together to talk, talk about situations or just getting them, uh, you know, and we're still trying to figure out ideas right now, actually, you know, and, and Lou has been really open and uh, he's been a huge asset for me uh, and Sean as well. So we're trying to figure out what's the right path right now, but COVID isn't also helping things from <laughs> trying to get, get teams together, get people together. So, um, but going forward, we, you know, we're really going to try and push to, you know, keep this, keep this going. So it's not just, Hey, this was just a, a one month thing. Right. You know, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the, the voter registration uh, program that you guys have been doing um, as coaches and kind of the gamification of it, which I think is fascinating and, and a really cool, a cool idea. I'm just wondering if there's, you know, maybe on a lighter note, if there's some kind of funny stories you guys have run across or just anything that you think that um, our listeners might be interested in hearing about how that process is going and, you know, maybe prep to prep will start publishing standings as to, you know, how teams are doing and we got, um, census bureau or census uh, applications and and uh, uh, voter registration numbers and I think that'd be kind of a cool a cool way to fill the void but I'm just curious if you guys have had any kind of interesting stories about that well I think uh, the amount of trash talk about you know the coaches going at each other saying you know we might you know might not be able to beat Lou on the court but we might be able to take him in the voter <laughs> registration I, I think that's where we got to come at him right now, you know. <laughs> I think in some cases that might be your, might be our only hope, right? <laughs> Certain coaches might be, hey, I can take them on the back, on the uh, voter registration front. That's my only shot. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I uh, really appreciate the, the discussion, guys. Um, I think it's a you know it's an important thing, and, and it, again, from from a coaching perspective, there's just so many things that you're dealing with as coaches, you guys deal with a lot of things anyway, outside of just X's and O's. But I think in, in this particular case, it's magnified by all the events that are going on. So um, we just want to thank you guys for taking the time. Lou Ritchie, Tim Kennedy on behalf of Harold. Thanks again for, for joining us. Thank you.
Thank you, guys. Thanks for having us. Well, Harold, it was a good discussion with with uh, Lou Ritchie and Tim Kennedy, as usual, as we expected. Um, but, you know, one thing that's come to light, and I'm sure, you know, obviously both coaches have gone through this as well, that we're not going to see any action really till January, but from what we're hearing. So let's talk a little bit about how that's going to impact planning and, and, and other things that, that coaches have to go through from this point on to the rest of the year. Well, it's like they said. I mean, they, they're in limbo. They really, they really, they really don't know uh, what what to expect. And then we're we're going to hear on the twentieth what everyone is expecting, and that is that everything is going to be pushed back to the first of the year. So I think that you know some of the things that they're doing are really really good because one of the things you know, like I talked with uh, Executive Director Nassetti of the CIF yesterday, is they they want to really be sure to keep the kids engaged even if things get pushed out. And so stuff like what Lou and Tim are doing and, and, and with the coaches and sharing information and getting the kids involved with voter registration and census and stuff, it's keeping the kids engaged. It's, 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 it's keeping their mind on things other than not playing and, and the coronavirus. So I think that what they're doing is good. And, and we should we should really want to support that. And so that's why I think that, you know, if we can help send coaches to them and, and, and get their kids involved with what Lou, and T, what Lou is doing along with Tim and a lot of these other coaches, I think it's great. And I also think it's great that Lou has brought together a cross-section of both black and white coaches that are working together on some of the issues that are, that are going on right now. It's great that they're having that discussion. And I, I think we should support it 100%. And we yeah, are. And, I think, and I think the thing with the voter registration is it's, it's by nature, it's, it's apolitical, right? I mean, because everything has become politicized in this country, even down to wearing a mask or not. And in this case, I don't think these coaches are pushing in a certain agenda as they're just saying, look, you're a young person that needs to get involved in the system this is a good way to get involved. And I was really intrigued when, you know, when Lou first mentioned about this, this, the census, I hadn't really thought about the census as being a big, a big part of this. I mean, we, we've heard about voter registration pushes before, but, but I think that's thinking out of the box a little bit to, to go in and include the census as part of it. So I agree. I think it's great that these guys are, are, are keeping their players involved. And, and at the same time, not, you know, Lou mentioned he hasn't been in the gym in, in months not putting not putting pressure on these guys and let, let these guys figure out for themselves how they want to approach it and some kids may want to just become workout monsters for the next few months when they don't have you know anything any other outlets and some other kids are just be like look i maybe they 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 look more to their inner self and 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 trying to deal with this situation so yeah i mean who mentioned marsalis roberson um he told me he's working out three times a day uh Jalen Lewis, who was our sophomore, the NCS sophomore of the year, uh, he and his father have a workout regimen. They go to the beach, they social distance, and uh, he's, he's trying to stay in shape. You know, I, the, the other thing I thought I really liked was that, you know, we brought up this thing about the possible loss of college scholarships, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that they are on top of it with advising the parents and the kids because, you know, if a kid who is expecting a scholarship and it's pulled away from them, that is told that's going to be devastating for that kid and that family. So the fact that they are, that they're looking at contingency plans that might involve JUCOs, 
I think is good because it's, it's going to be an issue for sure. We all agreed on that. Yeah, I mean, coaching a high-level high school basketball program like these two guys are is definitely a different world. I mean, I've been coaching at Branham High School soccer for 16 years, and I've had three kids touch a Division One field in, the, in my course of 16 years. And here we're talking about, you know, Bishop O'Dowd, he's rattling off a list of names that these guys were, you know, D1, D2, four, all four-year school guys. And he's mentioning that these guys are going to be playing junior college this year, or a lot of them. And I, I'm just, I'm stunned by that. And it's, again, it's not something that we think about in terms of, you know, all the different dominoes that are falling from this COVID crisis that, that you know, that don't get into our conscience, our conscience every day. It's something that we don't think about. Well, I think it was good that we had this podcast. I think it was good that we put two of the top coaches uh, in, in Northern California, the state, that are working on things outside of basketball to help their kids, to help the student athletes. And I think that is fantastic. And to have those two guys on uh, and, and to have a, a black coach and a white coach, and they're working together on these sensitive issues, these racial issues that are at the forefront right now. I mean, we need more of this. This is not baloney. This is the real deal. These guys are not just talk and talk. They're walking the walk. You know, and a lot of people are just talking, talk, talk, talk. You know, this Black Lives Matter, everybody's Black Lives Matter. You know, my little cousin was talking about, he lives out in Bolinas, which is way out in Marin County. He said, everybody's got a Black Lives Matter thing in their front yard, but there's not one black person that lives in the town. Okay, so I mean, these guys are for real. They're really dealing with it. It's not just a lot of bluster. And I think that is fantastic, and I'm glad we're involved. Well, as has become the custom on Beyond the Game, I'm going to give Harold the last word. So that was it. Um, thanks, Harold. Good talking to you. And um, I hope, hope everybody enjoys this podcast. I hope they do, too. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the first part of our Beyond the Game High School Coaches and Race Relations podcast series presented by prep to prep once again, on behalf of prep to prep Senior Editor Harold Abend, we would like to thank our guests Lou Ritchie and Tim Kennedy for joining us. Please remember to subscribe to the prep to prep Beyond the Game podcast and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. And don't forget to visit us at prep2prep.com and follow us on Twitter at prep2prepsports and Instagram at prep2prep. For all of us at prep2prep, prep, we thank you for tuning in and make sure to look out for part two of the high school coaches and race relations series coming soon.